0: Superhuman, what's up? It's Boomer Anderson, and we're back with another episode of the Decoding Superhuman podcast. Today, we're going to talk about something that every high performer faces, being able to get good, fresh nutrients on the road. How do you do that? What are some alternatives out there? What are the solutions available to you? Because I recall, and frankly do this from time to time, when you're running through an airport and seeing that all that is available to you is categorically garbage. And so some of the solutions that exist out there include complete food, or sometimes I refer to drinkable food. My guest is Simo Sohimo, and he is a entrepreneur, biohacker, and speaker who creates tools for a thriving life and helps people and teams unlock their potential through uncommon habits. Simo is the co-founder of Amber Knight which is one of my favorites in this category of complete food. He also serves on the board of talent recruiting, helping the brightest young minds crush it and build meaningful careers. Simo is also the host of the superhero podcast, where he talks to world-class influencers in health and high performance, which is available on iTunes. So what did Simo and I get into? Well, we talk a little bit about this realm of complete food. First, defining what complete food is. We talk about the differences between Ambernite and things like soylent. We look at really the ingredients of both Ambernite, but all complete foods in terms of, you know, are you getting enough fat from it? Are you getting the right sources of protein? Things to look out for, soy, etc., etc. You're going to enjoy this episode because Simo is so entertaining, you can tell he actually hosts a podcast. And so the show notes for this one are at decodingsuperhuman.com slash knight. that's A-M-B-R-O-N-I-T-E. Enjoy my episode with Simo. Simo, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, man. Happy to be here. Uh, this is going to be great. I've got my my lunch here and this great little bottle that you guys sent me and We're going to be talking about drinkable food and complete food today, and this is a topic I've wanted to cover for a long time, so shall we dive right in? Let's do it. I want to talk about your background because getting in or moving into the drinkable food space, walk me through how that happened because, you know, I love eating food, but what- were the steps you kind of took or sort of the aha moments of getting into the drinkable food space?
1: So uh, it's a very personal journey for me. Uh, Initially, I started creating uh, complete sources of food uh, that are convenient for my own use because uh, in my youth, I suffered from uh, all kinds of different kinds of problems for eating the wrong foods and not having access to the right foods in my life. Um, I had uh, 10 years of terrible digestive issues for, for eating the wrong stuff. And simultaneously, I had a really, really strong connection to the, the proper source of food because in my family, we have used to uh, using wild berries, wild ingredients from, from uh, the Nordic nature. Uh, but when I entered my professional uh, life and, and, and university life, and I was working in, in North America in a, in a corporation and a startup in Europe, I noticed that I just wasn't able to make the choices I wanted to make with food. And uh, I noticed that that millions of people have the same problem. So this is uh, where I started creating these types of uh, convenient, complete sources of food, initially for myself and later on with my co-founders to a global audience.
0: Mm -hmm. For the layman, how would you define complete food?
1: So when you're looking at food, food has a lot of dimensions, uh, some of which are obviously cultural and linked to the social aspect and the enjoyment. But at the bottom of everything, food is fuel. Fuel, Food is something that uh, makes or breaks our health, makes or breaks our focus. It determines our health outcomes and our, our daily ability to enjoy life and do the things we love. So essentially, uh, w- when we look at food and, and the types of food that people, especially in, 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 our, in our Western societies where we have material abundance, at the same time, food is making us sicker than ever, which is really crazy. It doesn't make really any sense. Yeah. So when we're, when we're really talking about food, we should be very aware of the fact that uh, the, the foods that we eat daily determine the baseline of our health uh, and, and the baseline of a happy life and a thriving body. And that's Uh, the angle through which I wanted to create something uh, that would be a better option, frankly. Mm -hmm. And
0: so can we talk a little bit about, we were talking before the show on how you optimize each formulation that you do based on amino acid profiles. Do you mind just walking through the, the formulation? Because your story is fantastic. The emphasis on uh, ingredients and fresh ingredients is amazing, but I would love to talk a little bit more about these formulations because uh, that really, to me, is the essence of why it's complete.
1: Absolutely. And uh, uh, just to, just to uh, summarize what's going on here. So what we've really strive to do is create a real food-based plant-based source of complete foods, complete nutrition. Now that all sounds really fancy. What does that actually mean? So Mm -hmm. when you're, when you're looking at a, at a, at a delicious plate of food, when it's nutritionally balanced and contains sources of fiber, source of nuts, energy, healthy, complete proteins, just like you mentioned that the amino um, amino acid profile should be complete. Um, there, There should be a whole host of things Uh, Currently, we know about over 40 nutrients plus uh, a a really large array of phytonutrients, which are plant-based nutrients, that should be included in order for our nutrient source our food source to be truly complete. Mm -hmm. And uh, how we approach this is combining 19 real food ingredients, greens, nuts, berries, um, and so forth, in a way that they uh, cover all the needs of the human body and the human mind and uh, cover all the nutritional guidelines in Europe and the US and provide a uh, satisfying source of energy for, for up to four hours per meal. Now, on the amino acid side of things, this gets really interesting and, and I love talking let, about let, this.
0: Let's geek out. I love
1: it. <laughs> exactly. Because one of the reasons that these products did not exist, uh, we started Amber in 2013. And uh, after that, we've been serving um, our community worldwide. Um, The first formulations I did for myself were back in 2007 and back then these products did not exist at all. We were the first ones to actually combine only real food ingredients and no supplements into a complete form so, and, and it was so really if I hard. recall,
0: back in 2007, my alternative was really like the, what's that really bad supplement company, Metrex rep- meal replacement shake, basically, yep, right? I know that. Yeah. <laughs> so, it, like back, th- I'm remembering back then, these things that tasted way too much like chocolate probably had ingredients that would kill me in them. But uh, so, walk me through how we go from 2007 to 2013 and what were kind of the big developments there.
1: So the big developments there um, from the metrics bars that I I, I know very well, uh, essentially what we used to have were um, chocolate bars that were reinforced with uh, synthetic vitamins, essentially grinding down a vitamin pill, throwing that onto a Mars bar, and then including a bit of protein, probably (laughs) from weight, and uh, and, uh, pumping that up with some maltodextrin or or something that will definitely cause you diabetes on the long run. Mm -hmm. So what we've seen – is, a, is a, um, our major scientific advances in understanding first uh, what the real needs of the human body are. So we, we, nutritional science is very much um, uh, taking its baby steps right now, and we're only now beginning to understand uh, the, the, the different needs and the different requirements when it comes to, for example, the phytonutrients such as anthocyanins in berries cool. uh, that are currently being researched in in both nutritional sciences and in medical sciences for there are various health benefits. Uh, there's there's a, a big resurgence in, in returning to the, to the uh, origin of food. Uh, we're talking about diets uh, that have been proven to, um, to uh, extend lifespans. For example, the Mediterranean diet, which uh, is based on, uh, to a great extent, on healthy fats, whole foods, and many of the uh, phytonutrients of protecting ingredients in, in foods such as the healthy fats in olive oil, fish. Uh, the high fiber content and so forth, so what we're really seeing here is is coming from a very kind of a limited reductionist approach, uh, what are the, what are the vitamins and minerals that we know? can we combine them in a synthetic fashion and, there, and and therefore create something that we can survive on into a more holistic approach into understanding how our environment, how the foods and how, how their uh, tiniest ingredients really come together to build thriving human performance. And we used to think that we can just simply lump in macronutrients and micronutrients in synthetic forms and hope that they would be absorbable by the body and provide everything we need. Now now we know that's false. That doesn't apply anymore. And we can see that in the populational studies that cover millions and millions of people. Uh, we, we're, we're, uh, we know more about the blue zones, uh, which which are essentially pockets and communities where people live, Extensively long lifespans because of their environment, their health. So, all of these things are come together and joined by exciting new areas of research, such as nutrigenomics. On my team, we're, we, have a, uh, we have a medical doctor and nutrigenomics researcher who has helped us in formulating our products because it all comes down to understanding the human body as a whole, our individual genetic makeups, and, and, and the, the, the power of the real ingredients. That are actually absorbable by the body.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, because you mentioned it, and we can scratch this question if you don't want to answer it, uh, nutrigenomics, how has that played a role and how has that shifted your formulations? Because it's something that we actively work on with clients, but I'm always very curious on how people employ it.
1: So, uh, uh much of it, it started off as, uh, for, through my personal journey for, for better health, for fixing my health. And mm-hmm. after that, really improving my health, especially for, uh, High mountain expeditions and I'm oh. living a busy life. All in all, so, sounds
0: like we have an adventure to plan together.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, man. I'm I'm a I'm a strong proponent of 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 uh, furthering our self knowledge through quantification. Yep. Uh, so so in nutrigenomics as a part it play, plays a part in that whole puzzle. Um. And in through through nutrigenomics we can really understand how we can apply our own genetic makeup into designing the perfect food and perfect diet and nutritional profile. But what we really noticed there is that while we can derive immense amounts of, uh, of data into, into a couple of simple conclusions, the first one that we can find, uh, many people are researching this through, through uh, services like 23andMe, which looks at the s of the genome, and uh, nowadays also Dante Labs, for example, offers the whole genome package, mm-hmm. which gives you a more comprehensive view. Macronutrient uh, breakdown is is one thing uh, that seems to be genetically and epigenetically valuable in, in terms of information bits that you can incorporate into your daily life. For example, for me, I've done uh, extensive testing, uh, both blood panels for, for uh, almost a decade, uh, as well as the, the, uh, the uh, genetic tests and, and uh, measuring my, my blood and ketone levels. And what I have found out is that I'm personally not equipped uh, with uh, a flesh robot that deals with fast carbs very well. Mm-hmm. So for me, uh, the, both the genetic data and my experiments uh, clearly point to the fact that I should um, be eating a lot of fiber, I should be uh, uh, eating lots of healthy fats and limiting uh, especially high GI carbs. And uh, for example, for my, for my partner, it's, the, it's, it's a completely different thing. We could be eating the same meal and her response in blood sugar and her response to glycated hemoglobin um, uh, through a three-month period would be completely different. And, and it's, it's super exciting to be finally able to really tap into that knowledge and really make those uh, make those data points actionable in daily life. And um, But at the end of the day, it all comes into not what you know, but what you're actually acting upon. And that's something that I personally suffered with before creating complete food sources that are convenient and tasty. Because... You can have all the knowledge in the world you want, and I'm certainly a prime example of knowing a lot and still implementing very, very little yeah. of all that knowledge. And I think that's a universal thing for busy people and and people who have a lot a lot going on in their lives. So I think it's it's more important than increasing the amount of knowledge is it, it bringing practical solutions and how to make that actionable in daily lives.
0: Mm-hmm. So much of the audience listening is well, at least if I look at the download statistics in the United States, and they may have heard of something called Soylent at some point. Um, and Soylent, you know, I would be curious about your opinion on it, but also just sort of breaking down the differences between Embernite and Soylent. I have my own opinions, but given your, your first print, you're sort of the uh, first source here. Do you mind just going in sort of the differences between the two?
1: So uh, what what's currently going on in the in the drinkable food space? Um, uh, Soylent is 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 a product that that uh, uh, or, or their team is on a mission of making food very uh, very accessible in terms of uh, using uh, very cheap ingredients in order to create something that you can sustain life on. Essentially, mm-hmm. now uh, wh- what's going on there is is uh, looking at food and looking at the nutritional needs from a very um, kind of a kind of a basic approach, like how can we throw in various synthetic vitamins, make it as cheap as, cheap as possible so people can live off of it.
0: Sounds a little bit um, like my metric shake back in the day, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's it's, uh, it's uh, they're, they're definitely looking at it from a different angle. Uh, how I personally look at it is how can we include the ingredients that we truly need for a thriving mind and thriving body and make them as convenient as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, what the Soylent Crew has definitely successfully done is uh, raising awareness that these types of products are now available and, and that people are actually using these to their benefit, and that we can actually have foods in, in new formats that didn't didn't uh, exist before, and in, in ways that they can actually uh, feed you and actually actually create a satisfying experience. And uh, most of the products that are synthetic are uh, more or less based on uh, what the Soylent Crew started with currently. So. We're seeing all all types of uh, foods that are sent, or, or, uh, or what I like to call them, synthetic meal replacements that are that are basically based off of synthetic ingredients with some real food ingredients in there. Uh, but the, but what, what's what's really missing in that equation, in my opinion, and the in a, in, a, in a, when we look at the latest nutritional science, is that uh, we need to take into account the absorbability. Mm-hmm. We need to take into account the bioavailability of the ingredients. And we need to take into account the long-term effects of the foods that we're eating. And for those, um, uh, foods and and products based entirely on real foods, entirely on whole foods, are the safe bet Mm -hmm. and are the the comprehensive bet. Um, But I I have to say uh, that, that I'm really impressed by what the synthetic products have managed to do because for the first time, we're, we're looking at this from a, from a social perspective in a, in a different way that we can actually cover many needs with these types of products, and we can actually challenge the way that we look at fast food. So, because, because the fact is, for food to be fast, it doesn't be unhealthy, and we need yeah. to decouple that. Yeah. And uh, that's what I, what I think all of these products are, are doing well, even though on the nutritional side, there's a lot to improve in the, in the synthetic products.
0: I think right now I'm debating on what to call this episode either improvements in fast food or something you said earlier the flesh robot uh is something <laughs> something that a something that I love but um let's go in a little bit on the natural ingredient side because people are probably listening to this now and just to give you my experience with Amber night this morning uh, even as I use it for lunch you know I take a scoop of the powder I put it in some water I shake it up I, and I drink my lunch. Now, some people may have a skeptical eye on how you're able to do that with real fresh ingredients. Do you mind just walking a little bit into how you're able to provide
1: that? Absolutely. So the, the way, the way I, I like to talk about the, the, the products that I've, I've made is, and I made, made with our team, uh, is that we don't really like to call them meal replacements, but rather drinkable meals. There and you complete go. Yeah. meal shakes Because, because what's going on here is that, that most products that people go out on the street and buy are, are the actual meal replacement. They're the hot dogs. Uh, they're the burgers that, that are, are, are almost devoid of all the nutrients that we actually need. Mm-hmm. Whereas when we pick out the most nutrient-dense products in the world and combine them in a way that they work synergistically together to provide and cover all the nutritional needs. And when we dry them down, what we're actually doing is we're preserving, firstly, all of the taste. And secondly, all of the the nutritional properties because drying uh, ingredients, for example, uh, herbs, berries, nuts, drying is the oldest preservation method we have and it's the only one that actually preserves all the nutrients within. Um, So what we're looking at here is really a mix of 19 real foods and a a handful of veggies and berries and herbs and a protein source and fats uh, all dried into together and uh, when you rehydrate them, you're producing either uh, a, a something that many people call a smoothie bowl in our in our audience, mm-hmm. uh, or a shake that I'm also actually just having for lunch. Yeah. So essentially, what's happening here? You're rehydrating complete real food ingredients, and as you can tell, as you drink this, it's it's not a it's, it's it's not a protein drink, right? No. It's, because it's 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 actual real physical ingredients. In a, in a more like a porridge or a smoothie format, and that's what sets us apart from uh, from uh, all the different products out there. That is actually real food uh, in in a drinkable format. Mm. But for example, Ben Greenfield, he likes to just rip open a bag, pour in some water, and uh, eat it right out of the bag <laughs> in a, in a smoothie bowl format. Thank, I saw him doing that. Thank a, you a for seeding. Yeah, so.
0: <laughs> thank you for seeding that for me because I, I'm I'm hopping on a flight to the U.S. next week, and I'm. I'm gonna take some of these bags with me, but that's that's not a bad way to do that. So, Ben, if you're listening, this is thank you for seeding that idea.
1: Exactly. And actually that's that's what I've started to do on, on long flights as well. Just, you know, like using the spoon, pouring some water and and eating it. Because mastication and and munching is is also an important thing in life.
0: hmm So let's go into that uh last point you just made. Because can somebody and I know somebody here in the Netherlands who's tried to sustain themselves on drinkable food for a year. Do you recommend people going into a world of only uh, complete food?
1: It's not something I would personally go for because food for me is a, such a major source of pleasures in life. Ah. And, uh, and uh, it's, it's something that I, I rather look at it from the perspective that Amber and I can be basically any meal, but it doesn't have to be every meal. And what I'm what I'm really trying to create here is a healthier baseline, something that you could always fall back to because, after all, our habits form our lives. And, uh, and uh, in order to upgrade our lives, we really need to look at the top habits that are making the biggest impact in, in terms of 2080. Uh, so when we're looking at the 20% of our habits that are causing 80% of the results, either for better or for worse, it, it really does come down to when we 're in a busy moment, do we really have a good option that 's both satisfying, tasty, and not bad for us and and for For that reason, I believe that we need to create foods that are usable in any any particular moment, but going all in on those while it 's certainly possible and seems to produce really good really good uh, results in people that 's on a social and on a on a, on a kind of a life-fulfilling perspective that's not that I would suggest because, after all, we are social human beings and we have extensive happiness studies showing that eating together, preparing food together is an important part of a, of a satisfying week, and it certainly is for me. So I would never give up on all of my meals, but rather love to enjoy food at, at a higher quality. It's more about upgrading quality than, uh, than uh, not having the pleasures that you enjoy in terms of eating real foods too.
0: Uh, absolutely. And like you said, it's a, it's a great way to augment a, a healthy diet, especially on the go. But uh, in terms of just thinking through the long, long-term implications of actually going on a complete food, drinkable food diet have there been any studies on that? Cause I, I haven't seen them. I, I don't know if anybody's ever done it long enough to see like impacts on teeth and gut, et cetera.
1: So uh, there there are, there's really a very limited amount of, of relevant long-term studies yeah. done about this because firstly, because it, it's for, for usually it's hard to see any um, real problem that would be addressed the best by just going all in on a liquid diet mm-hmm. uh, apart from uh, certain studies where they look at people who have, um, uh, for example, for post-surgery purposes yeah. are enjoying liquid meals. And in those, what we're seeing is that the synthetic uh, medical products uh, that are now moving into a more natural direction too, because of the new scientific evidence uh, are uh, essentially they, they will sustain life, but they certainly are not well suited for, uh, helping you uh, achieve your your ideal focus, your ideal body composition for looking better and, and feeling better. So, so all the studies that have looked at this are basically looking at whether or not pe- this sustains life and whether or not people become nutrient deficient, which we know that they won't. But they also won't be getting any better. Mm-hmm. And uh, in fact, uh, uh, when we when we're looking at what actually helps people recover from surgery uh more and more we're looking into the domain of including uh many of those health boosting ingredients that come from the plant world for example the gut health boosting beta glucans which are abundant in in uh in the products that we create mm-hmm. uh, as, as well as the uh, the natural antioxidants from berries um and uh, and uh, for example the uh, the uh, the phytonutrients in olive oil and so forth so um but in it, 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 i would love to see a study made out of this uh but but uh, in the meantime uh my own experiments uh for example with ambernate I I uh, had tonsillectomy surgery yeah uh eight months ago and uh, I had a lot of ambernate during that during that period whereas I was asking uh the head surgeons what other people are having I'm like yeah they're basically you know like eating ice cream for two weeks and like Yep, that's probably not the type <laughs> of diet you would want to eat in order to optimize wound healing, not the least because of the massive amount of sugars that you're, you're uh, yeah. creating uh, inflammation problems with. But what we really want you like, I, I would love to see a study made out of this, but on the, uh, on the other hand, it's not really what we're going after here. Yeah, of course. So the more relevant question would be, how much can we raise the daily nutritional baseline with, with replacing the worst of the worst options that you're not even enjoying that much. And many for many people, this is breakfast or a busy lunch at the desk. If we replace those with amazing real food ingredients, what would happen? And what we're seeing is uh, that people are getting pretty amazing results.
0: So you've answered a bunch of my questions around use cases here in terms of lunch, busy people, even hospital. And just as an aside, I think like the two places that I would try to avoid food in general are airplanes and hospitals. And we've discussed both of those today. Right now I want to drill down into some of these ingredients because uh, we were discussing protein before the show. And you mentioned that you guys have just come out with a new product. Um, Oats versus soy. Do you mind going into why you use that and then uh, the kind of introduction of pea as well?
1: Absolutely. So uh, the, the proteins, and, and uh, st- in order to create the complete amino acid profile, we combine uh, several sources of proteins. And uh, for us, that's uh, a high-grade, uh, special quality of Swedish oat protein. Um, as well as uh, as uh, as well as with a complement of oats, almonds, and spirulina. And uh, all of those come together to uh, produce a complete source of protein, all the essential ones, uh, a big bunch of the non-essential ones, as well as all the branch chain amino acids that you will want to have for optimal performance, recovery, thriving, and satiety. Now, why we, why we haven't used soy? Uh, this is a very common question. I love to talk about this because what made people... Uh, seem uh, to, to uh, have a bit of a... There's a lot of confusion going on around soy. Mm-hmm. But what we really now know is that the, uh, the event, evidence that we currently see is that uh, going on a diet with lots of soy extracts on the long term is not an optimal strategy for gut health and for overall well-being. What, what many people are experiencing with soy is they're experiencing uh, mild to severe stomach aches, Um, all all kinds of intestinal side effects, um, constipation, really things that are are pretty nasty and and, uh, for many people quite embarrassing. Yeah, you don't want that in a social atmosphere, right? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. You uh, you don't want that if you're living with someone or working with someone. Mm -hmm. Maybe if you're stranded on an island for for a while, Mm -hmm. maybe you live off of that for a while. But to be honest, um, these soy extracts are not an optimal solution for for overall health, overall bioavailability, and uh, and gut health, so I would steer. I would personally advise people steer clear of them uh, if you're looking at at a product that would sustain and augment your well-being uh, on on a long term. On the mid to short term, mm, it's it's a debatable, but on the long term, I would steer clear out of sight.
0: Our sponsor for today's show is one of the two brands of blue light blockers that I actually recommend using. And I've had the CEO Matt Maruka, on the show before, and we got into a two hour long discussion, which I think to this day is the longest episode of the decoding superhuman podcast, but his company raw optics has made blue light blockers sexy. In fact, I know they worked because I've seen the test results and the beauty of their product is, is that Blue light doesn't get in. And if any amount of blue light gets in, that Netflix show that you're watching late at night, that book that you're reading, that email that you're answering is disrupting your sleep. So, where do you get yours? Head over to rawoptics.com, plug in the code BOOMER, you'll get 15% off your order. Enjoy. And then, because you can get dryable, or at least I've seen like dried beef protein. Is there any particular reason why meat hasn't been explored yet? Or is that just because we're looking at a plant-based product at this point?
1: So uh, when when we're looking at the different types of uh, so-called new products on the market, especially for for people uh, excited about the, about the uh, paleo and and I I
0: have to ask the question because there are quite a number of paleo and keto and carnivore listeners. So I have to ask that question.
1: Absolutely. I, I'm. A, I'm a, personally. I'm. I'm excited about all the. Uh. All the new products that are coming out and all, all. the new avenues of research. Uh. But personally, uh, from the point of view of. Of creating. Um. A plant-based. Uh. The lowest plus possible inflammatory response protein mm-hmm. source, uh, as well as a source that's actually efficient to create. Uh. Not only from a health perspective, digestible uh, with with high digestibility, but also. Uh. From the production perspective, because. I, I do want to stress that uh, the food choices that we make and the food systems that we build are not currently built on a healthy or sustainable basis. Yeah. When we're looking at creating all different kinds of uh, beef-based based, uh, proteins, there's definitely a market for those. And, uh, and uh, I, I welcome all the innovation. But on the other hand, if you want to create the most mm, inefficient way of creating protein powder, you would <laughs> first mm. farm a mm-hmm. lot of land, then feed it to a cow, and then slaughter the cow and extract the protein. And to me, it, it's uh, well, it's debatable of how much sense it actually makes from the efficiency perspective. Uh, these products tend to be quite costly. Yeah. Uh, they probably don't even cost enough in order to compensate for the actual environmental impact they're having. Mm-hmm. But from a health sense, health point of view, and from a sustainability point of view, uh, they are probably suboptimal when you look at um, the alternative of combining uh, real food plant-based ingredients into a complete protein source that's digestible.
0: Beautiful. Let's talk a little bit about fat because one of the when we talk complete food, one of the complaints at least in the health blogosphere is fat and lack thereof. And we know fat is essential for dietary hormones and all kinds of things. You guys have managed to, get it into your product. Do you mind talking about just sort of the different constituents that make up the, the few grams of fat that I see on the nutrition label?
1: Absolutely. Fats are absolutely essential. And, um, and uh, the, hel- the healthy fats should be a part of essentially every meal, not mm-hmm. only because of the macro side of things, but also because fats are what makes so many vitamins and minerals bioavailable mm-hmm. in each. We've really looked at this also, not only from kind of the macronutrient breakdown perspective, around 35% of calories in an in an amber night complete meal shake comes from fats, mm-hmm. uh, which, which uh, seems to be an optimal for most people. For most people, going higher consistently, uh, it's it's, it's uh, of debatable use. For so, some so, no don't. plans
0: for a keto product. <laughs> uh,
1: we are we are actually looking into it. Oh, because okay, we fair enough. We want to serve people with different nutritional profiles, mm-hmm. but for the vast majority, even though uh, very high-fat diets are all the rage, for a vast majority of people uh, li- leading active lifestyles, going going all fat is not going to be a long-term solution, unfortunately. So what we're what we're seeing there is uh, around thirty-five percent um, fat to be to be a, a great solution. And uh, for Amber Night, we've uh, used almonds, very high-grade almonds that we've managed to. Uh, into a fine powder into a drinkable mix they're actually whole almonds ground down so they're actually not a powder but a rather an almond flour Mm -hmm. that retains all of the fats so we don't add the fats separately all of them come from real food ingredients and uh, what's what's often problematic about fats in many of these products and uh, and uh, I I, uh, highly suggest if someone is considering any of these products look into the source of the fats. Where do the fats come from? Can you recognize the source from a label? Because I believe that if people looked at the ingredient list and then looked at the amount of fats, they would be surprised that the fats in most products come from terrible sources that are highly inflammatory and you would want to cut out of your diet once and for all. So for us, uh, almonds are are one of the solutions. One big reason for that is that they also have a bit of vitamin E, mm-hmm. which preserves uh, the fatty acids uh, in in a format that we want them to stay in. And uh, omega threes is an essential part of the product, uh, as well as omega seven.
0: Let's go into the omega threes because when we we say omega threes, you know, I'm thinking fish, right? Uh, what are the ways that you guys get omega threes into the the product?
1: Uh, for for uh, night, we're using uh, flax uh, mm-hmm. as well as almonds. And uh, for, for uh, other, more even more rare products, uh, or uh, excuse me, for, for omegas like omega-7s, we're using uh, sea buckthorn berries, oh. uh, which are the most nutrient-dense uh, food and berry source for, uh, excuse me, uh, plant source for omega-7s. So in nature, you will find these ingredients which are high in omegas uh, that are that are good alternatives to fish oil. Now, I have to point out that for uh, in order to get a lot of omegas, fish oil and krill oil and, and different kinds of uh, oils from marine sources are superior in terms yeah. of a, of a omegas per gram. Um, essential fatty acid uh, uh, e- EFAs and, and DHA's uh, they're pretty much uh, off the charts because it's possible to extract them so efficiently from marine sources but also what's important to note uh that there are many plant-based sources that are of high value and of high bioavailability which we've used in the product and uh this took a lot of time to crack frankly because yeah i was um,
0: gonna ask do you mind going yeah do you mind going through how to crack that because or, or the story behind how you guys crack that
1: absolutely it was certainly a long journey uh <laughs> It involved um, merging, merging uh, a couple of different fields. Firstly, the, uh, the uh, required amounts as well as the bioavailability, how to make those into a, into a synergistic product that's absorbable and into looking into the medical science uh, of, of the nutrient absorption and then just finding all the best sources in the world. Essentially, we just ordered a massive amount and we still do this. What we do is we, we order massive amounts – of samples from different different, um, parts of the world where that grow almonds, for example, and then we test them in a third party lab in order to determine the actual amounts, for example, of the fats and of of the nutrients within. Mm -hmm. And not only that, but then we take an extra step. And this is something that almost nobody in this industry does, which to me is quite alarming. What we do is, we take, the, uh, take, the, uh, take the, um, uh, the highest quality almonds that we could find and grind them down, create them into products, and then we take this pouch and put it on the shelf for, for a year, and then we send it back to the lab to see what happens to the nutrients. And this is something that most people don't realize, but what you're actually thinking you're getting is, is nowhere near what you're actually getting after you're transported the product, have it on your shelf for six yeah. months, and then you eat it. So we, we've done all the three steps. And what we noticed that most of the manufacturers uh, can't really back up their promises uh, and, and the product that they're actually sending. Much of the fats or, or the micronutrients are nowhere near where they should be. Mm-hmm. So, so really, and the frustrating thing is, like for an individual, it's really hard to afford all of these lab tests. Yeah. So, so um, basically, that would be what you would need to do in order to discover the real shelf um, life. Exactly. And the real amount of nutrients that we're actually getting. Mm-hmm. As you know, like in the US, they just looked at hundreds of uh, supplements and uh, found out that only, only uh, a small minority, 20, 30 percent contained the amounts and the quality of what they were actually claiming. Yeah. Uh, some of them had none of the sort, which is really alarming. So it's certainly a dark side of food and, and, and the nutrition industry.
0: Yeah. The supplement industry, I mean, going back to when GNC was rated, right? Like GNC getting rated and finding that like most of their ingredients didn't contain what they actually said they did. It's pretty dodgy area and you have to tread very carefully, uh, which is why I appreciate what you guys have done on the third party testing. On that shelf life um, or kind of from time zero to time 365 or day 365, what are said another way, how long can this bag that I'm holding right here last for, or how long should I be holding it for?
1: So, uh, with the real food ingredients and uh, we don't use yeah. any preservatives or any, anything else, uh, all of the ingredients are pronounceable and, and recognizable. <laughs> uh, what we notice is that, uh, for a year, uh, the, uh, the quality remains excellent. And after that, there starts to be a bit of a saturation in the fatty acids, uh, mm-hmm. On the nutritional side, it's quite minor, but on the taste side, it's uh, not optimal to hold onto your bag for several years. Uh, we label our, our pouches for a shelf life of one year. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally, uh, or we, we test the products uh, every now and then, we send products of uh, two or three years uh, back to the lab and see what's happening. And uh, the taste isn't optimal anymore, but many of the nutrients retain their nutritional value. A couple of ingredients that that are that are very sensitive and that we were taken into account in creating, um, in, in putting enough of them into the bag in the first place, so that they would actually fulfill uh, the nutritional guidelines still at day three sixty five and uh, deliver uh, optimal hunger quenching and satiety even at that stage are, for example, the fats. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other ones are some of the vitamins, which are very fragile. And, uh, and for, for most products, vitamins get destroyed because they heat treat the products. We don't do that. Um, uh, another thing that happens uh, for, for many products, even, on the, on the, on, uh, even fresh products, and especially fresh products that are not dehydrated, when you go to, for example, Whole Foods or a, or a, or a healthy grocery store, and you go to the grocery section, the foods that you see and, and that you would kind of naturally suspect that or, or assume that would have the most nutritional value, the fresh foods are actually lower in nutritional value than the frozen foods because the frozen foods, uh, have that decay, uh, at, at a significantly lower rate and, and dehydration does the same thing. But for optimal vitamins, optimal minerals, you definitely would want to consume around at around the one year mark. Mm-hmm. There's no problem in, in, in uh, enjoying them later, but, what we've noticed is that for one year we we're, we've managed to uh, keep all the nutrients uh, very much intact, thanks to the layering system that we use in the pouch. And the same goes for basically any food. And, yeah. and my advice, for anyone looking at uh, at at um, wondering, going going in, uh, looking into their fridge and wondering if the foods they're <laughs> eating actually contain what they need to be getting, and if they're actually getting any real benefit out of that. And that's a valid question. That's something that does not get talked about enough. Mm-hmm. I would advise uh, looking at the freshest possible local ingredients, and even going um, with frozen ingredients, especially in collard greens, in Brussels sprouts, in broccoli, and so forth. Because for those ingredients, you're usually seeing a lot of nutritional decay when you get those mm-hmm. so-called fresh uh, from from the uh, vegetable and grocery section.
0: Uh, you said collard greens, which is one of my favorite things. And you just got me really excited. Uh, talk, Let's talk about the geographical split of sort of how you guys source your nutrients. Because you get, you get nutrients from all around, or foods from all around the world. But you're also in the backyard of one of the places that is known for foraging. What percentage of your ingredients comes from Finland versus
1: outside? A bit more than fifty percent come from the Nordics. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really excited about this topic <laughs> because
0: let's go, uh, let's go. I, I like, love I love for- the yeah. concept of foraging. Let's talk about it.
1: <laughs> exactly. I was actually just foraging uh, for some spring herbs uh, last weekend because it, right now is the perfect time mm-hmm. for so many so many roots, vegetables, and and uh, and sprouts. Um, I, I essentially grew up foraging with my parents and with my grandparents. As long as I can remember, we used to go out into the forest and pick berries, Mm -hmm. mushrooms. And and that was, that was something uh, that was such a normal part of life for me. And only later in life, I realized that this was something really special because most parts of the world that's, not really a viable option. Yeah, grow,
0: growing me. up in Philadelphia, like we'd go foraging and we would probably find a McDonald's, but we wouldn't find berries, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, it's a very different situation, but sorry I interrupted you.
1: Exactly. So uh, <laughs> I know, right? Uh, there's there's so many amazing sources of nutrients and, and uh, many of them, for example, the bilberries, the cranberries, um, and the thorns, most of them aren't even um, available in farmed fashion yeah. because- Um, For example, bilberries are the wild cousin of blueberries, but they are entirely different. Um, The the bilberries, uh, Vaccinium myrtilis in Latin, are uh, over 10 times higher in, for example, anthocyanins, plant nutrients, and so forth. And uh, they they have to be picked out in the wild. So what we do is we use uh, hand wild forage bilberries and other berries, and we dry them down. And uh, and put it in the bag to be able to share the love, frankly, because so few people around the world have access to these great ingredients. Mm-hmm. So what's happening with the foraged ingredients is that you're getting plants from environments where they're they are con- continuously bombarded uh, with with stressors. Uh, obviously, there are, there are predators that they need to defend against, and for that they produce exceptional nutrient density, and um, what, that's been well documented. So um, that's that's certainly something. Uh, and, and, and what I'm really excited about is connecting back to the roots of our food. Honestly, for me, I, I believe that the toughest problems of our generation that we need to solve, that we need to get chipping away at, are all connected to, um, to deeper understanding of ourselves and deeper understanding of our environment and connecting into our food, into our bodies, into how we work and how our actions shape our environments and how our environments shape us. So wild foods and connecting to the source of our ingredients and so respecting that is really a key part of the picture for me. And using these wild ingredients is, is, a, is a something uh, that is definitely a key to many of the problems that we're seeing. So around, um, back to your question, uh, around uh, uh, 50% come from the Nordics, uh, the, the oats uh, come from the Nordics, Sweden, Finland, Many of the berries come from the Nordics. Uh, For example, the bilberries come from above the uh, Arctic Circle, Mm -hmm. where I'm originally from. I was born way up north, above the Polar Circle, and that's where the best bilberries in the world come from. Um, Many of the ingredients that don't grow uh, up here in the north, uh, for example, the almonds, uh, currently come from California, Mm -hmm. uh, where we found found an especially nutrient-dense variety of almonds, um, and, uh, essentially what we've done for, for all of the ingredients is scan the world uh, for the best nutrient dense, uh, varieties, and, and then try to get our hands on them and do the actual lab tests in order to create the product. Global foraging, if you will, right? In a, in a way, in a way, yes. Like, uh, I, I actually fantasize of creating a product that would be entirely based on wild foods mm. that, that would, that would be like an extreme caveman version of the product.
0: I would love to collaborate with you when you start working on that too, because that would be a lot of fun. Um, One word you mentioned a bunch before we transition into uh, the final questions, anthocyanins. Do you mind just talking a little bit about what those are and why people should be paying more attention to those?
1: Absolutely. Uh, So... uh... Remember when your mother or your grandmother reminded you to eat colorful things, and, uh,
0: and, <laughs> and, and now the functional medicine world says eat the rainbow. So it's uh, exactly, yeah. exactly.
1: So uh, one spectrum of the rainbow uh, is is the uh, is the spectrum of of, of blue colors and uh, the anthocyanins, uh, which are which are uh, present it berries like the acai berry, which is one of the one of the premier superfoods uh, in terms of a uh, high very high. Uh, oxygen, oxygen radical absorption capacity and many other uh, proven health benefits um, Bilberries are way up there and uh, And what happens essentially what happens there is, is that the plants produce these phytonutrients of the phytochemicals in order to survive in the environments uh, For example the bilberries they grow in a in a essentially in, in a very harsh environments where they only get a couple of months of Sun a year and, uh, and the, the amount of water they're getting is very sporadic. Uh, and uh, the, the, typically, the uh, environments that they grow in are very acidic. So the plants need to compensate for that. And one way they've found to do this, doing this, is produce uh, chemicals such as anthocyanins, which create the blue color, and uh, which are currently being researched for uh, their, their um, immunomodulating benefits, uh, for their adaptogenic benefits, even though I don't love that word, Uh, because, because, uh, in, in, in science where you're looking at modulating the immune system, that would be, that would be more appropriate of a description. Mm -hmm. So essentially what's going on with bilberries is that, that the big medical corporations are currently looking at bilberry extracts and anthocyanin being one of them in order to, uh, curb tumor growth, for example, Mm -hmm. in order to strengthen the immune system. And what we know from, uh, from studies looking at vast populations of people who are getting these beneficial, plant nutrients, for example, the, as we talked about the Mediterranean diet, um, it's, it's, it's part, of, part of the puzzle to be including those real food nutrients into your diet. And there is no way you can do it with supplements or synthetic products right now. Mm-hmm. So that's why you should be paying attention into including berries um, and herbs into your day and, um, and uh, looking at the rainbow from not, not only from variety, but also from the quality perspective, ah. because there's a massive difference in eating a blueberry or eating a wild bilberry, there's a massive difference in eating um, a farm-grown raspberry or a wild-grown lingonberry. So, so, and the differences in these chemicals can be up to a hundred or a thousand x. So, we are talking about significant differences. But the fun thing is, these things are really tasty. So, mm-hmm. so, uh, including the interior diet is usually one of the things that people a, don't have a problem with. Yeah,
0: it's a pleasure. It's like a dessert. I love it. Uh, I am so looking forward to the final four questions with you because you've already talked about going back and looking at our the way we work, the way we eat things. But if you don't mind, I want to transition into those. And the first question is, Is what is one area you think people should pay more attention to when it comes to improving performance?
1: I think one of the areas that has impacted my life the most is understanding the baseline thinking Of performance and especially when it comes to when it comes to sleep exercise nutrition you want to look at the minimum effective dose or the MED of what you're doing and uh, for many for so many people that I see it's it's um, it's kind of a bipolar situation of going entirely overboard in some areas of life and not taking into account the entire baseline and when it comes to food and nutrition which is an essential building block I would look at how to not how to uh, optimize everything. Don't look at optimizing everything or going for the top one or two percent, but rather, what's the one simple thing you can do to upgrade your baseline into in, and, and actually get some lasting results? And for me, that is uh, looking at the at the situations where I I really need a healthy dose of nutrition, but it's really hard to get, and I'm lazy and I'm busy and I can't do it. So upgrading those moments is essential. And after after that, whatever you do. In those other moments, suddenly only plays a part of a uh, of around ten or twenty percent because what you have now is a is a healthy baseline. And so so baseline thinking uh, also in sleep, in exercise, but especially in food and understanding that enjoyment and uh, the, the the effects of of a, whether or not you're supporting or detracting from your thriving body are actually converging. We're at a time. Where those things are becoming synonymous, because connecting to the origins of your food leads to essentially you eating like gourmet chef. Uh, one person who has coached us is a is a is a is a Michelin star, top-rated gourmet chef mm-hmm. uh, who, who is uh, Andoni uh, Aduriz from from Spain. Because he uses the same ingredients as we do, mm-hmm. he just plates them differently. And this is where we go from suddenly from biohacking and optimization and, and 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 painful thinking into enjoying the foods that we eat more because they're of higher higher quality and they taste better and they also give us better benefits in terms of our bodies. So, so breaking the myth that there is a disconnect there is something that I'm I'm just I want to do that. I, I I want to spread this word out because that's what we're currently seeing happening, and I'm, I'm super excited about that development.
0: What's your top trick for enhancing focus?
1: For me, uh, I, can, I can be entirely on or off. Um, for me, if, if I become distracted, it's really hard to get back on track. Mm-hmm. It can take me up to 15, 20 minutes. So for example, right before this podcast, I took a cold shower, 100 seconds in, in, uh, on the cold setting of my shower, I'm a big pro- proponent of uh, cold exposure myself mm-hmm. also because it connects me to nature. I go to, go to a uh, holding the ice all the time ah. when I have the opportunity here in Finland. And when I'm traveling, I build ice baths and hotel rooms and whatnot. So cold exposure, that's number one breathing exercises. It's amazing what one round of, of a Wim Hof breathing or a, or breathwork can do. It's, it only takes me 120 seconds and uh, it will literally turbo abuse my next two hours. So two minutes for two hours—that's a that's a massive Gr- benefit. Great trade-off, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like <laughs> some of the best time investments I can make. And even in my office, I sometimes just go into a spare room, or just uh, before before, uh, for example, if I speak at a conference, I just might go to um, just walk outside, or uh, even even go to a restroom for just two minutes of of a, of a just. Um, zeroing in what's happening next, calming my mind, coming back, different person. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's amazing. And uh, five years ago, this was still very much out there for me, but mm-hmm. it has now become an essential part of my life and a special part of my day. Um, so uh, those two things for focus, for immediate focus, are, are the uh, tips I would definitely suggest. One thing that's on the macro level, one thing that messes up focus for me is if I don't take care of uh, eating, eating in a way that sustains stable blood sugar. Mm-hmm. So getting in those um, healthy fibers, getting into beta-glucans that have been proven to, to balance blood sugar uh, is essential for me for uh, intense moments of flow. After, after a good meal, I can literally work uh, in, 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 in superior flow state for anywhere from two to eight hours, but after a crappy meal, it, it takes a lot of focus and it takes a lot of cold water and cold showers to to kind of reboot that. So uh looking at those three things, breathing, cold exposure, and uh sustained energy, um those those are my my top three three uh things that I would want to share
0: with everyone. Beautiful. It seems like if we figure out where you're checking into a hotel in the U S there's going to be an Instacart that's going to arrive with a ton of ice afterwards. Uh, (laughs) I've pulled that trick before too. Um, (laughs) it's a new trick. (laughs) So what book has significantly impacted your life and how you show up to perform in it?
1: There are so many, and I really love this
0: question. Please uh, please rattle them off.
1: Right? <laughs> uh, to 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 be honest, um, the books uh, that have probably impacted me the most go into the domain of uh, many of them go into the domain of of philosophy, especially mm-hmm. inter, intersection of of uh, of uh, of understanding uh, our our uh, existence. As as humans and as part of a larger system, so systems thinking is a is a is something that I that I really would would love to bring into the discussion. Um, and uh, for, from a personal perspective, uh, Eckhart Tolle has made a big impression and uh, and uh, has been essential in uh, for me in in discovering the tools of the mind and and really starting to pay even more attention to my states and uh, and uh, to to understanding uh, whether or not I've been. Uh, taking care of myself, whether or not I've I'm fully recovered, whether or not I've been sleeping enough, exercising enough, recovering enough, um, and um, and uh, frankly, doing the things that serve the meat vehicle, that serve uh, the human flesh robot. So, mm-hmm. so, so, so I, I consider many of these techniques, uh, for example, the the ones covered by Eckhart Tolle in his books, uh, as as a as a essential. Tools for self diagnostics, and for me, that is that has been something that has probably the most radically changed my life during the last ten years. Just finding ways of applying those self diagnostics and becoming more aware of what I actually need in order to recover or enhance my performance at any any given time. Um, another another book um, on on leadership that I really have to mention uh, is is a uh, Jocko Willink. Uh, jocko Willink's, Willink's uh, writings and and his podcasts are epic, but extreme ownership as a book um, has has definitely been been very valuable, both in terms of leading uh, understanding and leading myself as well as leading teams and understanding so much of uh, what's what's actually actually going on there on on many different levels
0: mm mm-hmm. That's great. That's amazing. And I agree with you. Jocko is a great podcast. I, I like his intensity. And he, like the concept of extreme ownership is definitely needed in this world today. <clears throat> where can people find out more about you?
1: Uh, so uh, so uh, I also host the Superhero Podcast, where I talk a lot more about what we just discussed and mm-hmm. uh, all other, other parts of uh, leading a thriving life and uh, becoming unstoppable. So um, Superhero Podcast is definitely uh, where people can find out more about what I'm currently working on and what mm. wacky experience I'm pulling off and, and what's going on in, in my life and, and the people who I'm, I'm interviewing. So so uh, you can, people can find that on iTunes or ambernightcom slash podcast. And uh, there you can also find my blog, amberknight.com slash blog, where I cover many of, uh, many of the experience that we've done and, uh, and uh, the, the uh, constant pursuit of uh, more self-knowledge, more self-awareness, understanding myself, and uh, how to become a more significant human being. So uh, if, if that's something that people are interested in, they should definitely check it out.
0: Excellent. Simo, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been an absolute pleasure, my friend.
1: Boomer, this has been amazing. Thank you so much, and uh, talk to you soon. Yes. Uh, to
0: all the superhumans listening out there, the show notes for this one are decodingsuperhuman.com slash and have an absolutely epic day. Superhumans, before you go, if you enjoy the episode, if you enjoy all of our episodes, head on over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating. It would really, really help get the word out on what we're doing here at Decoding Superhuman. Feedback. If you want to give us direct feedback, or you want to see us cover a specific topic whether on the shorter episodes or the longer episodes head on over to your email and email us at podcast at decoding superhuman.com for those of you who have sent emails to that address you know that i respond to every single one and then lastly would you like 300 to 500 words of highly curated information on how to upgrade performance if so Head on over to decodingsuperhuman.com slash throwdown, and you'll get our next issue of the Throwdown, which is our 300 to 500 word highly curated digest, if you will, on what's going on in the field of performance. Enjoy your day, superhumans, and thank you from the bottom of my heart for tuning in to today's episode.